Welcome to With You Every Step, the solo travel podcast that explores, explains, and hopefully inspires you to travel the world by yourself. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. Today, we speak to a fabulous solo female traveler, Helen McCraw. Helen is a strong and independent Brit. Her dream was to visit 30 countries by the age of 30. Today, we'll find out how she travels the world and her experiences and if she has made her dream come true. Welcome, Helen. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Michelle. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. Now, Helen is actually here in the studio. Well, no, that's a lie. We're not in the studio. We're on the road because as what we do best, we're doing right now. We are road tripping. We are in Port Campbell in Victoria on the Great Ocean Road. I'm so excited that you're with me today. Thank you for the for driving. <laughs> we <laughs> and had a wonderful road trip. <laughs> we did have a great road trip. Helen, firstly, tell me, where are you from? So I am from the UK and I'm from Suffolk. I was born in Ipswich um, and I still live there. For everybody listening, can you explain the first moment that we met? Yeah, so we met in Africa. <laughs> we did meet in Africa. And it was at a um, wildebeest eco-lodge. Oh, you remember? <laughs> I don't remember the name. That's yes. it. Yeah. And you knew that there was a really great um, buffet that we could go to. <laughs> and you'd never seen anyone eat as much as I did. Do you remember the name of the restaurant we went to? No. Carnivore, yes. Carnivore in Nairobi. <laughs> in Kenya. And (laughs) we were on a tour group and it was the first meeting of the night of the tour from Mm -hmm. the first day. So if you've ever done a tour, that's what happens the very first day. You don't meet. So when it says day one, it actually is a lie. You kind of start day one at what, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. whenever they decide to start the tour. And then they have a meeting and that's it. So that's day one of your tour. And we had that meeting and I remember looking around and thinking, oh, who's in my group? Okay, that girl over there looks kind of cool. And so then afterwards I came up to you, do you remember? And I said, would anyone like to come for dinner? Because I had heard and researched that there was a really cool place to go to in Nairobi, which was Carnivore. And it's true. I have never seen any slim, beautiful woman eat as much meat as you, <laughs> as you ate. I did eat vegetables too, but it was an all-you-can-eat restaurant. It was. It was. Do you remember the most disgusting thing you ate? I think it was testicles. <laughs> what was it? Testicles. <laughs> I was too much of a wuss. I couldn't do it. It was going to make me vomit. I'm not very good with that kind of stuff. I mean, it's not my normal menu. <laughs> I don't insist upon it everywhere I go. It was a cultural experience. <laughs> I'm glad to know that you don't often <laughs> eat testicles. <laughs> okay, okay, let's get back to it. You have travelled by yourself. Can you remember the very first time you travelled solo? Yes. So my first solo flight was up to Edinburgh when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old. So my grandparents stay in Edinburgh and I was flying out to see them. So my mum put me on a flight at Stansted and it was amazing. I got taken through the airport, put on the plane. I felt so independent. I think I bought myself a drink. Oh, I know. I mean, just a Fanta. No, sure. (laughs) (laughs) On the wine. No. Um, So just a very short flight up to Scotland and then met met the other end by my grandparents. And it was fantastic. And do you think that's where the love of travel started? Yes, but also my auntie had done extensive travel. Um, she'd done around the world trip. She'd been to South America for an extended period. It was something I was always interested in. My grandfather was in the uh, merchant navy. He'd been to so many cool places. I wanted to explore just like them. And how old were you when you first did your first trip? First round-the-world trip was when I was 22, yes. 22. Mm-hmm. And where did you go? So that was a round-the-world trip, starting from London and flying into Lima, spending a few months in Lima, Peru, 
traveling all around Peru teaching um, in Lima and working at an orphanage there. Fabulous. Um, How did you find that? Incredible. Just, it was my first experience teaching. I'm now a primary school teacher. So I was teaching English um, in the mornings in a school, in the afternoon in a boys' orphanage in downtown Lima. And it was phenomenal. Overwhelming, interesting, humbling. How did you find the orphanage to work at? Because I've heard that there's a lot of dodgy orphanages that aren't quite legit. So how did you find it? Did you research before you went? Did you do it when you got there? Yes. So it was through a company in um, the United Kingdom. So it's through a charity there. Do you remember the name of the charity? It's I2I. What was that? Sorry. I2I. Okay. And yeah, a really interesting experience. It was within the lead up to Christmas. So we were teaching English and also spending time um, making Christmas decorations and uh, being around, having fun, playing games. Oh, fabulous. Where did you go after that? So traveling across the belly of um, South America. So going from Peru down to Cusco, all around Nazca, all over Peru, into Bolivia, into Paraguay for a day into Brazil and then finishing up, having gone to the Pantanal, having gone to Aguasi Falls and going over to Argentina, ending in Rio, but also making the journey down to Ida Grande um, and going to the fabulous beaches there. So all in all, about three months or so in South America, flying over to Santiago, flying into New Zealand, working there for a few months. What did you do in New Zealand? So started in Auckland, went up to the Bay of Islands which was brilliant, went on a boat cruise. I've actually never been to New Zealand. I've done stopovers there, but I've never gone to New Zealand. I kind of think that's something I can do when I'm old. It's a four-hour flight from Melbourne. It's not very far to get to, so I can do that later. Yeah, that's similar with me in Europe, actually. Yeah. Um, So then flew down to Christchurch, got a job on a farm in Ashburton. So I had my working visa. I was 22. I was young. I was ready to grade onions, which is where you, <laughs> you take out the stones out of onions. And the onions that I was on the belt for were being shipped to Indonesia. So that was an interesting six, seven, eight weeks of my life. Okay. Living in a caravan or shed. But that paid for going to Australia. It paid to go to Southeast Asia and also to do a road trip all around the South Island, which was phenomenal camping road tripping going down to Milford Sound and just visiting all of the amazing destinations there that's Mm. great now that sounds like quite a big trip how long did you go for so that trip it was around the world trip and it was eight nine months eight nine months Mm. wow and you just mentioned that you worked to get some money to continue traveling yes is that how you kept going is that how it did it like did you save a lot of money before you left yeah so before I left the UK I was working I just finished university so I had a summer and then extended into autumn working at a call center and doing insurance it was actually travel insurance for Marks and Spencer and it was great so saved a lot of money stopped in New Zealand and saved again while working on a farm which then meant Australia, so that was into Sydney and Melbourne, and then up to Southeast Asia, so Thailand, um, going up to Chiang Mai, then down island hopping, down to Malaysia, caught a flight over to Cambodia, travelled over to Vietnam, came back to Thailand and then back to the UK. So Wow, sounds like a massive trip. It really was, and at 22, it was fabulous. I'd just finished university. It was such a great time to travel. What was the biggest eye opener for you? What do you felt, what do you feel that you learnt the most from that trip? It was the first time I'd left Europe. It was so amazing to see that doesn't matter where you are, language, culture, family, those are the things that interest me, how humans connect, making friendships along the way seeing incredible sights, visiting beautiful areas of natural beauty, wonders of the world. In in that trip, <laughs> what was the most, I, I hate this question, people ask me, what was the best part of that trip? And I hate it because there's so many things, but what was the most magnificent thing that really blew your mind? 
Because I think so many places are so magnificent, but there are some things that just blow your mind. What was it on that trip? Iguazu Falls. Yeah. I haven't been, but I've heard it's phenomenal. Was it was stunning. Machu Picchu. Yeah, Machu Picchu is definitely a very special place, isn't it? It really is. I actually just did Machu Picchu recently. <laughs> I loved it, but I do feel I think because it is such a place that has so many images, so many people go there, mm-hmm. I guess seeing it from everybody else, I felt like part of me has already seen it, mm-hmm. where there were so many other things in Peru that I did that I wasn't expecting to see sure. that blew my mind, I think, a little bit more in like a different way. Mountain. Like the Rainbow Mountains. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Blew my mind. I hadn't seen that anywhere before. Mm-hmm. So that was something that was really... Really amazing. And I highly recommend if you're in Peru going to the Rainbow Mountains, it is worth seeing. So, Helen, have you had any major incidents happen while you've been traveling? Something that would make you feel scared that you wouldn't do it or you shouldn't travel by yourself? Not that you can think of? Not that I can recall. That's great. I think that's really good. When I was younger, so at 22, I found I was quite scared in South America of the dogs. There's In some towns, there are dogs. A lot of dogs everywhere. And I found that this trip, having just come back from South America, I wasn't scared of them at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think if that's a major fear, that's not a bad one to have. No. That's pretty good. Yeah. And also when I was 22, I didn't really like take off. I used to get quite scared. On the plane? Mm. So I used to suck boiled sweets and I always needed to hold someone's hand. Did you ever hold but- a stranger's hand? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Hi, my name's Helen. Can I hold your hand while we take off? Um, I'm very tactile. Um, <laughs> no. So... I'm braver now. I'm not scared of dogs. I'm not holding strangers' hands and sucking on boiled sweets at every takeoff. Yeah, but bolder and braver. (laughs) Good, good. I mean, the only – I've had one massive – well, I've had a couple. Being a solo female traveller, you know, you do have to be quite cautious. Mm -hmm. And I am very cautious, Mm -hmm. as you know, because we've just travelled together. Helen and I actually were just in – in South America together, we organized this trip. After being in Africa, another one of our friends, Heidi, we all met there on that trip. Heidi was on her first solo trip mm-hmm. and we all ended up just bonding, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And so after that, actually, I was on the beaches in Zanzibar, was it, that we, we planned our South American trip? Yes. So we were recovering from the night before. <laughs> A very big night at the bar. A big beach night with lots of cocktails and fun and dancing. So much like to reggae music, which was ideal. So we're recovering in a hotel. So we'd booked to stay just at a... So myself and a couple of other people we met were staying in a different hotel. You were staying in a really posh hotel. So we came and sunbathed at your hotel. (laughs) I had looked it up and it had amazing reviews on TripAdvisor. (laughs) TripAdvisor is my life. And that's why we stayed at that hotel because it was phenomenal. And it was good. It was worth every penny. It was the Z. The Z Hotel, mm, yeah, beautiful. in Zanzibar. It was. Yeah. So, yeah, we decided you'd said you wanted to go to South America. I was talking about my experiences. And we found a couple of places we all really wanted to go, one being the Galapagos, Ecuador, and and that was our trip. You planted the seeds for my second round-the-world trip, which I'm in the middle of now. So yeah. it's amazing. It is. It's uh, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. My incident that I had, going back to that, That was when I was in Dominican Republic in the Caribbean. I was there for a friend's wedding. So there was lots and lots of people there, part of that group. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful. It was great. We had a great time. And I was then going on by myself to Mexico City to start a tour. And I thought going to Mexico City by myself from what everyone said doesn't sound safe. So I don't think I should be there for too long by myself. Mm -hmm. So I decided to stay longer at the five-star all-inclusive resort in Dominican Republic and not go earlier to Mexico City before the tour. And on those days, 
actually it was the day after everyone else had left. So I was there by myself and only the bride and groom were there. And I didn't want to bother them. They were honeymooning at that point. That's their honeymoon time. And I got a phone call really early to my room. So I was in my room by myself. The phone call was from someone that I didn't know, basically telling me that they wanted to rape me. And it was really, really quite scary. And I was quite shaken by it and I didn't know what to do. So I just thought for a second, okay, hung up the phone and I went down to the reception and told them what happened. And they were quite kind of shocked, but not really. So there was part of them that kind of sound like they'd heard this before. And I just said, this is not okay. And they ended up coming back to my room, telling me I had to pack up my stuff. I had to move my things. They were moving me to a secret location in the hotel to another room. I wasn't allowed to tell anyone of the room number, not even the staff that worked there because it actually had come from an internal staff member. No phone call had come from outside the resort. Terrifying. It was terrifying. And I had one more night there, only one more night. But that night, my backpack was up against the door because if it's a worker, they have room keys to be able to get into the room. So that was something that was quite scary for me. Hasn't stopped me from traveling. Mm -hmm. It just... That was the only time I've stayed in a five-star resort. Mm -hmm. I stay mostly in hostels. Same. And I, yeah, and I feel so safe in a hostel. I'm very thorough on picking the hostel. Doing research is key. You have to do a lot of research. Of course. Making sure it has great reviews. And in this day and age, I find most hostels have really good security. Have you found that? Absolutely. And I do feel as a solo woman on this trip, I've really been looked after and cared for, particularly by staff in the reception who will make sure that I'm well located, sort of orientated and know where, where to go. But also, for example, we stayed together in Quito and the first bit of advice we were given was a curfew for when is okay to walk and when you need to get a taxi home. Mm. And that's just really good advice. And safety is paramount, particularly when you are far away from home in different time zones, more vulnerable as a woman as you would be than if you were a man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that's being at home as well. You know, like at home, I wouldn't walk around in the dark streets outside of the city or sometimes even in the city, depending on the time. Sure. So I think that just being smart comes into traveling. Totally. totally. So the first big trip you did, that was actually with a partner that you had at the time? Yes. And how do you find traveling solo compared to traveling in a relationship? Is there big differences that you notice? So this trip, I started flying London via Miami and down to Ecuador. And there I met you guys in Quito and we went to the Galapagos together. Even though I've been traveling solo, it has been with friends. So it's been a different style of trip because we've made the choices about where we want to go. And I've been meeting different groups of friends along the way, but also having time where I have been on my own. On the flight over, I made really good friends with a wonderful woman, the flight from Miami to Quito, because I was on my own. She asked, oh, where are you going? Why are you going? And we got into a conversation. And so I find people are more open to talking to you when you are traveling on your own. Then went to the Amazon together and um, I left you guys when you sadly came back to Australia and our good friend Heidi went back to Chicago. I then went to Colombia and had a few days on my own in Quito. And again, just the experience of looking around a city on your own is really empowering. How was Colombia? I have heard mixed responses on Colombia. I've heard that it's dangerous. I've heard it's fabulous. Mm -hmm. How did you find it? I loved it. It was really, really fantastic. Um, I joined a tour, which was with Toucan Travel, and travelled for two weeks on a bus from Quito up to Cartagena. Highlight of salsa dancing in Cartagena. So that was right at the end of the trip. Met some really lovely people along the way, but also made the opportunities, took the opportunities, sorry, to speak to as many people as I could. Um, I have 
dodgy Spanglish. Um. <laughs> I actually think yours is pretty good. Oh, thanks, so. <laughs> I really do. When we were in Keto, I think it was, or even Galapagos, mm. I've got the darkest features out of all three of us that were together. And I'm the Australian, we've got the Brit, and we've got the American. Everyone would look to me and speak Spanish to me because I have the dark features thinking I could speak Spanish back to them. I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and there you go, whoop, and start going off in Spanish. It's quite brilliant. Very, very useful language. And, um, it is. South America is so special to me. I've spent a lot of time there and have covered quite a lot of ground. So it was really wonderful to see chocolate and to see where the coffee is produced and to learn how chocolate is, goes from bean to bar. I found it really interesting visiting lots of different cathedrals and churches. It was really wonderful just to see on the open road the amazing landscapes and just some fun towns. It was so much fun. So going into Medellin, going up to Cartagena, they were wonderful and exciting. And vibrant. what what things did you see about Pablo Escobar? So Pablo Escobar, obviously the famous drug lord, and I visited his um, holiday home and did some paintballing, which <laughs> was bizarre and fun um, and interesting to see one of his holiday homes and learn a little bit more about the star of Narcos. And was it fancy like they make out in the movies? Yes. I mean, it's obviously in ruins now. So it was imagining that kind of 80s vibe, almost Mam in Vice style. Okay. An interesting area because it's all dug out. So oh. um, it hasn't been restored? No. No, not at all? No. Oh, interesting. So you do the paintballing in one of the old um, like pool houses. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That sounds great. It's pretty neat. Oh, I've seen photos of something you did. I don't know what where you were where you sent those photos. A bar that seemed pretty cool. Oh, that was in Medellin, the ball pit bar. <laughs> the ball pit bar. Well, it was great until I lost my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so I dived in because I'm very enthusiastic. So I dived into this ball pit um, wearing kind of loafery shoes, lost one quickly started a competition to find my shoe <laughs> many men tried and failed and then I did find my uh, Prince Charming who rescued Cinderella and found my shoe for me but <laughs> I was in there for a good 20-25 minutes <laughs> <laughs> and, and you also <laughs> ran into somebody in the ball pit that you knew oh my goodness yeah this is a good story so we went to the Amazon together. We had a brilliant time. We met a really lovely um, American called Brian. He was really cool. He was a triplet. He was traveling. Really wonderful guy. Um, and as we were traveling as a three, often in the boat, one of us would sit next to Brian and it was, it was great. So we'd said goodbye to him a couple of weeks before. And there I am in the ball pit and who jumps in but Brian, <laughs> which was unexpected, but also so awesome. <laughs> I have this image of you swimming through the ball pit and then pops up Brian's face in front of you. It was unexpected, but, but delightful. <laughs> good. What would you say is your favorite thing about traveling? I love exploring new cultures. I love speaking new languages, learning things. I seek knowledge, I always have. So whether it be geography or history or politics, philosophy, learning about how people really live, meeting locals and asking them about their lives, food, <laughs> drink new cocktails speaking new of food friends. we have a lamington sitting in front of us for helen so she can try an aussie lamington <laughs> friends is a big one making new friends always and visiting old friends like we are this week so yeah just connecting now learning, this trip growing. here especially in australia where have you met all the people that you're staying with? Because you are staying with a lot of people traveling around Australia. Mm -hmm. So where have you been and who, where have you met them? I think everybody I'm staying with in Australia, I met when we were in Africa. That was a trip 
was it two years ago? Mm, it was two years ago. So for me, my trip was flying into Kenya, yeah, going down to Tanzania, taking in the Ngorogoro Trade. Sorry, the Ngorogoro Crater, not <laughs> yeah. Trater. Very different. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> and then, then going to the Serengeti and finishing up in Zanzibar. On that trip, I met yourself, Heidi, who I've visited in Chicago and we've travelled with, and also some wonderful Australians, including Prue and Tracy, who are in Coffs Harbour. So they showed me all of the beautiful sights there. And how did you get to Coffs Harbour? Where did you fly into from New Zealand? So I had a flight from Auckland over to Sydney and then did a Tiger flight, just a really quick flight, 50, 55 minutes up to Coffs Harbour to see them. Oh, nice and easy. Really easy. And how did you find that flight? How did you find it to book it? Um, so just online with you. You know that. <laughs> I do know that. It was not so easy for everybody to know where to find their flights. So we were actually in the hostel and it was a hostel that had a lot of computers mm. and they had really good Wi-Fi and internet mm. access. So Helen was able to jump online. She was able to find it. I don't know actually how you even found it because I did. Oh, it was Skyscanner. Skyscanner. So I used Skyscanner Australia to compare who flew where and then went and found when the sale dates were, which is something I always do. So before I was a primary school teacher, I was a travel agent. So yes, I always use... That's where it comes from. (laughs) That's the ticket. Yes. So still got friends in the trade, which is wonderful. It is wonderful. And I had recommended to not fly with Tiger Air because they are known to not always take off on time, thinking that they would just maybe be delayed and then what ended up happening, Helen? So I had an amazing few days in Coffs Harbour. (laughs) I was taken to see kangaroos, had a beautiful time going up into the mountains um, and just had a really wonderful time with good friends. Unfortunately, my flight was cancelled cancelled not just delayed cancelled so I was put on a flight with Virgin the next day Michelle was very unhappy I was not impressed at all however the friend I was staying with Tracy who's our friend has a hot tub so at the airport I delighted everybody by giving her a call and quickly and loudly announcing Tracy turn the tub on Which is great. Now, people hearing this might think, wow, that's quite scary if I'm somewhere and a flight gets cancelled. Mm-hmm. And what happens? So what did they do to make sure that you were then catered for and you were safe? Sure. So put me on another flight the next day. If you don't have accommodation, then they are legally bound to put you up. So they had a taxi which would take you to a hotel that they'd chosen and booked out. Because I had friends in coughs, I went back to Tracy and her tub. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was very fortunate there. Yeah. Okay. And then getting back to the airport, mm-hmm. do they pay for that if you're staying at the hotel? It's something you can claim on your insurance. So interestingly, I worked in travel insurance as well. So yeah, it's quite quite useful. So you can claim for however many hours you're delayed. It depends on your insurance. But mine was if you're delayed for 12 hours, you can claim a certain amount of money. So I did that and okay. had, a, had a lovely breakfast. Did you? So you could make a claim while you're traveling? I'll do that when I get back. So okay. You just, you just keep all the receipts. Oh. The same as with if you have a medical incident that's non-emergency. Okay. And what travel insurance do you go through? Do you have a certain type that you go through? So I use a company in the UK called Insure and Go and I find them to be really good to use. Okay. Um, there's a backpacker policy they use. I always remove the excess because it's highly likely you'll claim. When I travelled when I was 22, I got very, very sick in Peru over the Christmas period and had to go and see a doctor. So because I've removed the excess, all my medical bills, which was quite expensive because it was Christmas time, um, were paid for when I returned back. And then on this trip, I got sick when I arrived in New Zealand. And a similar story, I had to go and see a doctor. um, But again, I'll be able to claim that back when I return. So you just get all the receipts? Exactly. You keep the receipts um, for anything. So it would be the receipts for the doctor, any receipts for any tests you might need, and receipts for any um, 
medication that you're prescribed. Okay. Yeah. I always use Travel Insurance Direct. I don't know if that's a worldwide company or an Australian company. They're fabulous. I've actually made a claim before only only on an item, my laptop got broken. Right. And so I claimed that and it was sorted so quickly. I had no issues. I've heard of other people having major drama with having to make claims on their travel insurance and how they're they haven't believed them and they haven't proved, proved okay. it properly. So yes. well, keeping sh- receipts is a really, really good one. Yeah. So you keep receipts and just document everything. Um, so I've got proof of the flight being cancelled, um, my receipts, but I've also got, I've checked my policy to make sure I knew how much I could claim and then spent that amount. Um, but also I've had damaged luggage so that's something else i'll be claiming and again photos is really good evidence so the more evidence you can give your travel insurance company the higher the chance of getting the money back but also removing the excess is so so worth doing on a big trip so this time I'm away for three months or so, so I've removed the excess. So I, I because I knew it was. What do you mean by removing the excess? So most insurance policies have an excess, and you pay that part of the claim. So you would pay an amount, and then you would claim a certain amount back. The excess waiver that you can do, you just pay a little bit more in your premium, and then it means that you don't have to pay at all if you make a claim. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I've personally never done that because okay. I kind of think that I hopefully I don't have to make a claim. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea for a big trip. So yeah. with traveling for eight, nine months, and then again, this trip's been three months. So it was a good idea to do. That's only 10 pounds more. Mm-hmm. You have recently, before this trip, you have found love. I have. <laughs> <laughs> you should see her glowing right now. <laughs> Now, this trip was already booked, right? Which is why he didn't join you on this trip. Yeah, planned. And yeah, I'd decided what I was doing. I'd handed in my notice at work, I think. So yeah, I met my lovely boyfriend and spent 10 weeks with him in the UK before embarking on three months away. And do you think that you will now travel solo even though you have a boyfriend? Or do you think it will not happen again? Of course. I am very, very excited to travel with lovely Alice. Um, So he's invited me to India. And at the end of this trip, we're going to India for two weeks. But I know myself and I love to explore. So I'm sure I will also want to travel on my own at some point. But how lovely to be able to share trips together. And I'm really excited for sharing new experiences with him and going to lots of places with him too. Yeah, I think it is good. I think to be able to travel with someone is great. Like even this trip, this has been the first trip for me that I did that I've actually traveled with friends. Yes. I normally travel by myself. I have traveled with my dad, who was my favorite travel partner. And you can go onto my blog, michellelee.com, M-I-S-H-E-L-L-E-E.com. Sorry, I just got a bit emotional. And see my blog about my dad because he has passed away. He definitely was my favorite travel partner. And it's only been recent, which is why I then went on this trip, because he loved traveling. And to be able to continue traveling and have him there in spirit is something very special. Oh, I've gotten all emotional and I've lost my train of thought. Oh, this trip. So I ended up going this time with my two beautiful friends that I met in Africa. And it was a special trip to be able to do that. But for me, yeah, this time I think I needed people around me because of grieving and being in that frame of mind, I really needed the support, which mm-hmm. you girls were for me. Mm-hmm. It was a really fabulous trip mm-hmm. and we did some amazing things. I still love being by myself. So even on this trip, the way that we did it a lot was that I often would, if it was cheap enough, I'd get my own room and Helen and Heidi would share. <laughs> I'm very needy. <laughs> I need people to hold my hand. I need hugs. <laughs> I'm happy to share a bed with female friends. <laughs> she tried to get into my bed many of times and I had to kick her out. I'm just so snuggly. <laughs> you are snuggly. So it worked well for me that way. We didn't have any issues. We were quite lucky. 
I have heard of many people that have traveled for very long times with friends and they come back and they don't speak anymore. Sure. And I had, I did travel once with a friend that joined one of my trips. We actually don't speak anymore. So I can see how that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you had that happen? Because you've traveled with friends? Yes, I've traveled with friends and I haven't lost any yet. <laughs> That's good. Even though you like to snuggle in their bed. Um, yeah. So I think if you're patient and forgiving, and it always depends on the personalities, I'm pretty laid back, but I do like to come up with ideas. So I'm quite ideas focused. I have lots of museums I want to go and see. I'm quite passionate about certain things I might want to do. So that might be the only time when I'm vocal about what I really, really would like to do. But other than that, as long as there's good cocktails and good food, I'm easy. (laughs) (laughs) I find that funny that you say that because I don't know if once when we were traveling that you actually had to vocalize that there was something you really wanted to do that we hadn't already. We we came to a consensus, didn't we? And we decided we wanted to do the same thing. So in keto, there are a couple of things I went and did, but you guys left, so I had the chance to do those things on my own. So, yeah, there was never really a problem. I think we were good negotiators, mm. um, but also we were really open, and that's the thing. If you're open to other people's ideas, and you have to be really understanding and really tolerant, and that's my advice if you're traveling with anyone, be it a partner, be it a friend, being open, being tolerant, and kind and warm and forgiving, those are the best things that you can be. I think so too. I love that. That's beautiful. That's true. It is very true. And I think also why we work so well is that we met traveling. Sure. And I think that makes a big difference. But you've traveled with friends from home. Yes. And that's worked out perfectly for you too? Yeah. So I traveled um, with one of my best friends, Becky. So I've known her since I was 11 and we traveled in Africa together. And we had a ball. It was really fun. There were times where we wanted to do different things and that was okay because she would always hug me. No, she wouldn't. <laughs> She'd always I just snuggle you no, to no, sleep. No, no, I'm awful. I'll just, I'll just find a way to get an extra hug. Um, I've traveled with my friend Louise. We've done a trip to Northern Ireland. And so we went and we visited, um, the coast and we went to Belfast. And again, I was really interested in the Titanic Museum. She's an engineer, so she was lost in the engineering section of this museum. And I was just absolutely captivated by the stories. I'm a literature girl. I'm a drama girl. So I spent a long time exploring the stories and um, all of the different tales from Titanic. So I think I spent about four hours in that museum and we lost each other, but we found each other again. So it's having that shared experience, but not being afraid to to go off, explore, be independent, and then find each other again. Yeah, I think that that is how I like to do it too. I like my independence Mm -hmm. and I know that I need my space, which Mm -hmm. is why even on our trip that I said to the girls, I said, please don't be offended, but this one night, do you mind if I just get my own room? And the girls were like, no, great, we're going to snuggle. <laughs> they didn't snuggle. Well, I don't know. Actually, I wasn't in the room, so I don't know what you guys did while I wasn't there. <laughs> for any young woman that wants to travel for the first time that has never traveled before, what advice would you give her? Go for it. Just do it? Go for it. Research where you're going. Book in advance if you can. Yeah. Your first few nights. If you have a passion or a particular dream, then work hard and go for it. Yeah, I agree. I think just going for it. I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. And this trip, I did most of the planning for our South American trip. Yes. <laughs> Helen gave us a lot of thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> So that was actually worked out really well because if there's too many cooks in the kitchen, it can get messy. Completely. Yeah. And it worked out really well. And having been a travel agent, I have planned a lot of trips. Like in Europe, for example, I've planned, um, for example, a trip into Spain, to Seville and Granada and um, various places all across Europe. I, I like the experience of finding, planning, booking and deciding what is happening. So there have been times where I have been completely in control, but equally it's been really refreshing to follow the advice of somebody else. I think because I was a travel agent, I'm used to being the person in charge. And so I've learned 
as traveling with a group of three. So sit back and yeah, and let other people decide what you do and go along with it. And it's really amazing because particularly when you're visiting somebody else's country, for example, here in Australia, I had no plans. You've decided everything. And that's so amazing. The same in New Zealand. My friends looked after me, took care of me and showed me the best of what they know. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing about traveling. I know most of the places I've been to, I actually go to for a reason. Sure. So it's not This South American trip was because I needed to explore South America. There's still so much more that I need to explore. Patagonia together, hey? Absolutely. (laughs) That is our plan. We want to do Patagonia. Yeah, that was a high five if you didn't know what that was. And also I want to do Bolivia, which I never got to do Bolivia this trip. I wanted to, but obviously with everything going on with my dad, the time got shortened, so I wasn't able to take the bigger trip that I was planning on Mm -hmm. to start with. And these girls were amazing. We had planned it. I had to cancel it. Then after everything happened, we ended up saying, can we do it again? And the girls were like, yep, let's just check out if we can do this. And we did. And it was fabulous. Actually, how did I do planning it? How did you find what we had done in South America, seeing that you're a travel agent and I planned all of this? How did you find the things that we did? It was phenomenal for me. The thing about that part of the trip, the Galapagos and the Amazon, was the the wide variety of animals that we got to see. And everywhere we went, we asked for advice. What's good? What do you recommend? Because we hadn't booked anything in. And that's the best way to travel. It's the best way to eat. Uh, Go to a restaurant and ask the waiters and waitresses, what's good here? The same with our tours that we decided to do. We did day trips in the Galapagos. Yeah, so So we didn't actually do a boat trip, which most people do boat trips in the Galapagos. I guess that's what most people think you have to do. Even since I've come home and people have said, oh, what boat trip did you do? I said that we didn't actually do a boat trip. Mm -hmm. We ended up staying on the Galapagos and doing day trips. Mm -hmm. And that worked out so much cheaper than doing a boat trip. Absolutely. When I got back, I spoke to someone that was leaving a week later and they were doing a boat trip in Galapagos and she said it was going to cost her $1,000 a day, uh, Australian, $1,000 Australian dollars a day. That's a lot. We didn't even spend that for our, our whole week that we spent in Galapagos. I don't think we even got close to that. Not at all. The trips that we did, one of them was 120 US, US yeah. and the other was 160 US to go and visit and we spent the day on a yacht on a beautiful yacht a beautiful with yacht. food included and with a tour of the island that we were looking at it was expensive but we were staying on the island and we were with local families so ecuadorian families on holiday which was a much, much better way to do it than being on a boat and rather than actually experiencing all the different islands. Yeah, and we weren't in any of the tourist areas either. No, it was brilliant. It was quite quiet. We mm-hmm. went to an island, actually both islands that we went to, there was nobody else there. It was just us. Mm, Pinzon was where we went snorkeling. That's where we saw, do you remember, the sea lions and we saw schools of sharks. It was just incredible. <laughs> That's yeah. where I came out of the water and looked at the tour guide and said, is this shark going to eat me? It came (laughs) right up and it was huge. And I'm from Australia where we have sharks that are going to eat us. So, of course, that was my first reaction. And he just laughed and he was like, no, it won't eat you. It's all good. (laughs) No warning. That's the thing, though. So this is the thing. When you do these trips, they are very local which I find that they don't give you a lot of advanced advice. So I know that when we went on that trip in the morning, we got there and they said, where's your wetsuits? And we said, wetsuits? We weren't told we need wetsuits. And they said, oh, yeah, you were meant to hire wetsuits or bring wetsuits. And again, we're from Australia and the UK and we were thinking it's warm. It was so hot there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And they were telling us that we really needed wetsuits and they were quite concerned that we didn't have them. Do you remember this? I mean, I holidayed in Scotland <laughs> and swam in the North Sea, so I'm good. Yeah. I was in a tiny bikini and I was fine. <laughs> we didn't need them. No. But those are the kinds of things that I think when you do do it local, you do need to ask a bit more questions, I think. Yeah, maybe. We didn't ask enough when it came to a couple of things like mm-hmm. that. 
I think. But they're just minor things. Mm. They're not major. They were, we didn't need a wetsuit. Mm. We were fine. It was warm in the water. They were <laughs> they were shivering, but it was warm for us. Mm. Were you going to say something? Just about the Amazon, how that part of the trip, again, we got to Quito and it was something which we asked, yeah. okay, what's the best tour to do? And I think as much as you can do research online, getting that information firsthand is one of the best ways to travel. So if you have the opportunity to spend an extended period of time somewhere, book the first couple of days somewhere through TripAdvisor or through Booking.com with somebody that has been rated well, and then leave the rest open as much as you can, because that's where you get the local advice about what is really, really good. The same with food. Um, I would always wait and then ask which restaurants are good to go to, what's the local dish here, um, what's the easiest way to get around, and yeah, I agree. And the Amazon, again, I researched that. I researched so much before mm. that trip to try and book something in. Mm-hmm. And it was so expensive. Mm-hmm. And Heidi and I, Heidi is the one from the US, Heidi and I were talking about it. And that, that was number one, basically, on Heidi's list was mm-hmm. the Amazon. And I, I second that. I was like, yes, we need to do this. Researching it, it was thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm thousands. And it blew my mind. And I thought, okay, we might not be able to afford to do this. So we'll go to keto. We'll see if we can afford it. When we get to keto, we were hoping that once in keto, we would find the cheaper prices because people had told me, same with Galapagos. If you want to go to Galapagos and go on a boat again from keto, you can find uh, the cheaper boats. Mm -hmm. You get a flight in and then you jump on a boat and you can get them cheaper. Oh, I did get a good tip actually that someone told me, a taxi driver, when he took me back to the airport from Quito, he told me that in Galapagos, instead of booking the day trips like we did, he said that you can go in the morning to a boat and ask the captain how much and he'll give you a cheaper price because our one, we were there was only what, six or seven of us on Mm -hmm. that boat? And so they obviously want to have more people. So he'll give you cheaper than even what we had paid. So if you're not so strict and you don't have such a tight timeline, then that's a really good tip as well. You can just go up up to the captain and say, hey, how much? And see what he says. But yeah, so we ended up getting to the Amazon because the hostel we stayed in, the lady in the hostel gave us a book and was like, yep, this is the one you should go to. And if you want to find out exactly how to get to the Amazon from Keto, my blog explains it step by step. So you can go to, again, michellelee.com and my blog is there on how to, how to get to the Amazon from Keto. And it is quite a, I don't even know the word, on how we got to the Amazon. It's not easy to actually do. It was quite a tough trip, don't you think? I have the ability to sleep (laughs) everywhere and anywhere. It's my superpower. It is your superpower. I agree with that. So I wasn't too fussed by the buses and taxi and then the other bus (laughs) and then the water taxi. I I was cool with that. I was just napping. (laughs) She was napping. The the bus on the way down was quite horrendous. It was an overnight bus. It was. And I'm good on overnight buses, but you're, you're not so great. Oh, no, I get really bad motion sickness. And I think I had taken three motion sickness tablets that night because I was getting thrown around and my stomach was doing somersaults Mm -hmm. and that driver was flying. But anyway, go to my blog. You can see it step by step. You can see (laughs) the photos. Our photos are phenomenal from there. It was beautiful. Now, I need to thank you so much. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners? So I've now done two round the world trips and I think it's a really great way to travel. Um, I'd really recommend looking into different round the world tickets that you can get. So it's a range of one way tickets that will take you to a range of destinations. And it's such a phenomenal way of traveling um, because you get to cover lots of different continents. So I would suggest exploring those. I definitely think if you can... Asking people when you arrive is probably one of my top tips for good experiences, for really experiencing what's best in a certain location. 
um, and being brave, being kind, going for it, um, making plans. So writing down what you want to do, writing down your goals. A bit of research. Totally is, is really, really important. Yeah. Okay. So you are nearly 30. I am, for my sins, 30 in August. Okay. The 8th of the 8th. You have a dream that mm-hmm. you've told me about, mm-hmm. 30 countries by the age of 30. Sure. Have you done it? When I go to India, so that's going to be country number 35. 35! Yeah, boom! You did it! <laughs> so does that mean now you have to get to, have you set the bar higher, like 50 by 40? <laughs> Maybe. I think 50 by 40 would be great. Why not? Good. (laughs) Well, I hope you do it and I hope you keep traveling the world and enjoying. And I'm glad that I got to meet you while being in Africa because we've had the most amazing time. It's crazy to think that we have experienced Kenya, Tanzania, Zanzibar, Ecuador, the Galapagos, the Amazon together. Here we are in Australia and I can't wait to welcome you back to the UK take you to London, bring you to Suffolk where I live and was brought up and I just love it so much. Can't wait to see you in the UK. (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to come. Thanks for listening to With You Every Step, hosted by Michelle Lee. We do hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, make sure you tell everybody. If you didn't, nobody likes a Debbie Downer. Please subscribe to get up to date with our latest releases and give us a thumbs up on our social media at With You Every Step. We love to hear from you. If you have any questions or inquiries, please email us at michelle at michellelee.com or head to the Contact Us page at our website, michellelee.com. That's also where you'll find all our blogs mentioned in the podcast. We love to hear from you and if we have inspired you to travel. Thanks for listening. Love life and adventure on.